Well, welcome this morning. We're glad that you tuned in with us on, and in your home, on your iPad, on your phone. We're thankful that you are here with us. Um, 25 years ago to this day, um, something happened in our city that uh, we need to recognize and we need to definitely consider and pray for. Uh, many, many in our city lost loved ones. Many in our city were impacted greatly by the OKC bombing. And 25 years ago today, um, that event happened. And it reminds us of um, our world and our need for the gospel, our need to touch people with the life of the gospel and transforms lives. I'm going to take some time to pray um, for that, for our people, and remember as we remember together as a church that time. Father, we we do thank you that you are a good God. We thank you for your church. We thank you for sending, Father, people into our community with the message of truth, with the gospel message, to share the truth with others, to love them, to graciously shine light in darkness, and Father, we, we, uh, we feel the effects of 25 years ago, even today. Many families, many loved ones who have lost those closest to them. And Father, be with them and give them comfort and peace, knowing that you are the God who gives comfort and peace. Oh Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity as a church to gather even though it is online this morning. We pray that your word would speak forth, that your word would speak truth into our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would like to mention before we get started this morning that we are in Ephesians chapter 5 and we will be, the text of scripture there deals with sexual immorality, so um, we're not going to get crazy on anyone here, but I do want to mention that for those that have little children that that want to want to know that beforehand, so that'll come in our second point this morning. But we are back into the book of Ephesians, the gospel in life. Our, we have gone through our 90-year anniversary uh, series as a church. Then we went through a mini-series for Easter. And now we are back into the book of Ephesians, into the series called Gospel in life. You may have forgotten what uh, is said in the book of Ephesians, but I want to remind you here in, in a short moment of what God has said through the book of Ephesians. God's work in salvation uh, in great detail here in chapters one through three, and then the in life portion in chapters four through six. Let me summarize this for you very quickly. Chapter one, you were chosen, you were adopted, you were redeemed, you were forgiven, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's just chapter one. Chapter two, you were once dead in sin, a follower of Satan, living for your own passions, but God made you alive by grace. You have been saved through faith. Now you walk in good works. You were once separated from God, 
having no hope and without God, but now Christ has brought down the wall, bringing you peace with God, reconciling you through the cross. Now you are no longer strangers and aliens, but members of the household of God. This household is being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3, you are partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. You are the church which displays the manifold wisdom of God. This is God's plan. And his church was realized in Christ. Chapter 4, now you are the church, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with humility, gentleness, bearing up with one another, maintaining the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He has given his church the Spirit which empowers people to do the work of God. These leaders are empowered by God and called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. We are then to grow up into the body that is to be built up into love. And he says, don't walk as unbelievers. That is not the way that you learned Christ. Put off the old self and put on the new self, created in the likeness of God and righteousness and holiness. Speak the truth, not lies. Be angry and do not sin. Do not steal, but give. Use your words for building up, not tearing down. Remember when we talked about maintaining the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace? Don't grieve the spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. All right, that was a quick summary, and we roll into chapter 5 like, whoa, right? All right? You see that. Remember, the first three chapters are the riches of God's grace. God lavished upon us in the gospel. And now we are in the in-life portion. The response to this great and glorious grace of God in our life. The in-life portion of the gospel in life. And how do we live out that gospel? Well, this section tells us we are to walk in light and in love. Ephesians 5, 1 through 14. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 this morning. We'll read that together. If you're standing at home, we stand as we gather together. So stand with me in the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, 
that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word. Lord, we ask this morning that you would find grace in your people. That we, Father, would be light. That we would no longer walk in darkness. That we would no longer be darkness, but we would be light that is used for you and your glory. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My daughter, she uh, loves collecting stuffed animals. Maybe it was because when she was born, we put her in her crib and took some pictures and called these little stuffed animals loveys for her. I'm not sure if that's the case. I see you ooing and aahing now, or I hear you ooing and aahing on your television screens at home. But now it's kind of become her thing, and you can see she has an embarrassment of riches of these things. I guess her grandparents and friends know how to show her love, but she got sick at the end of January, and I, I was in Walgreens as a as a parent normally is, trying to figure out how to, to grab some, some medical supplies to get this girl to feel better. And I saw it. I saw this unicorn rainbow bunny. I, you, 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 when you see this and, you, and your daughter loves these stuffed animals, all you can do is go and buy it, right? And daddy saw this and knew that it would make her feel better, even if she had an embarrassment of riches of these things. And so I gave it to her, and of course, she loved it. She, she grabbed a hold of that, and she took it for weeks, snuggling with it. But the other night, I was tucking her into bed, and I saw the bunny and it wasn't in the most prominent position. It was off in the corner somewhere. And you know how her favorites are the ones that are closest to her while she sleeps. So I said to her this question. I said, is, is Unicorn Rainbow Bunny not, no longer your favorite? She kind of looked at me shyly. 
thought, oh no, and she reached across the room and went and got it. But the truth is, the other stuffed animals had taken their place, has taken its place. I want to read to you this morning what the Lord writes to the church in Ephesus as it relates to the sermon this morning from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says this, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently, bearing up with, for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And then he says this, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You see, the church must never forget the love of Christ, the riches of his grace through the gospel. The church must remain in a posture of thanksgiving. Otherwise, they will lose their first love and be lured and enticed by the desires of this world. In this passage this morning, Paul continues to remind the church that the church ought to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the Lord Jesus. Don't walk continuously as unbelievers or as the Gentiles do. To walk in true love and be light. At the end of this passage, he gives this call. The passage says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's look at verse 1 together. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Paul begins this section with be imitators of God as beloved children, as loving fathers love their children. Their children want to be like their father. This refers back this imitation refers back to the previous chapter in chapter 4, verse 24, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is walking in the spirit, in the, the likeness, the new self. And it's to look like Christ. One of my favorite passages for this picture is Galatians 2.20, which Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We see this picture of death to self 
life with Christ also in baptism. Romans chapter six, verse four says, we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in the newness of life. We know that our old self was crucified Going on to verse six, we know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. He goes on in Romans 8, 29, says you were created to be conformed into the image of his son be imitators of God as beloved children. He also says, be holy as I am holy. When Alexander the Great discovered a coward in his army who was named Alexander, he told the soldier, renounce your cowardice or renounce your name. Those who carry God's name are to reflect him and his character. So what does this new self look like? What does it practically look like in our life? Verse two, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is our first point this morning. It is respond to the gospel in love. Respond to the gospel in love. The gospel is the example for us. The gospel brings about a response. Every thought, every action, every way in which we walk, there is a response to God's love for us. God doesn't tell us, do this because I said so. He very well could. But he points us to his grace and his love. And now he says, love because I loved you. Walk in love. Why? Because Christ loved you and he gave his life up for you. This is true love. Out of the gospel, we exuding, we are exuding these three things in this passage all the way through. It is love and thanksgiving and the light. This type of love is exemplified by the way that Christ lived, the way that Christ died, the way that he gave his life up for us. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this love. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Just a simple self-check right now. How are you doing? Are you walking in love? 
Hashtag quarantine life. Patience, kindness, not irritable, not rude, insisting on your own way. Maybe we need to a fresh reminder of God's love for us, constantly reminding us that Jesus the righteous died in our place. When the gospel type of love is on our hearts, it overflows into thanksgiving and all we can do is imitate that love. We respond to the gospel in love, love for people, love for his word, and a love for God. But the enemy uses a counterfeit love to entice people away from God. This counterfeit love will never satisfy. It is a self-seeking love. It is there only to please oneself. It has no place in the Christian life. This is the contrast or the opposite of a godly love in verse 3. He shows us the opposite, but sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. This is our second point this morning. Respond to the gospel with thanksgiving. Respond to the gospel with thanksgiving. An unthankful, an ungrateful heart is in danger. And Paul gives us six things in which it is in danger for God's people, the redeemed and forgiven people of God. These things have no place in the people of God. They are out of place for God's people. It's like going to an OU student section wearing orange. It's like playing basketball with jeans on. It's like putting mayonnaise on your pancakes. It's out of place. It's improper True love, a gospel-like love, characterizes God's children. At the opposite, the counterfeit, I don't even want to use the term love because it's not love, but this self-seeking selfishness characterizes the children of Satan. God's love is characterized by this sacrificial, other-centered love in actions, while sexual immorality is the complete opposite, because it throws everyone and everything in its path out of the way just to please oneself. 
The love of Christ is that he gave his life to save us. That kind of love saves, it restores, it builds up, it encourages, it edifies marriages. It brings families together. It builds up homes. It brings true relationships. While sexual immorality destroys, it tears down, it discourages, it crushes marriages, families, homes, friends, all for the sake of self-gratification. The word in the Greek for sexual immorality is pornea, which includes all types of sexual immorality, including premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, prostitution. Just in case you thought that some sexual sin wasn't covered in the first word, Paul uses the second word, impurity, referring to all other kinds of filth, anything else you could think of as immoral thoughts, passions, ideas, fantasies, and every form of sexual corruption. The last word, which cannot be separated from the first two, is covetousness or greed. The thought to to acquire these desires more and more These first three are rampant in our world today and run rampant even amongst God's people. 41% of young Christian men within the church regularly seek out pornography. A staggering 72% of non-Christian young men do likewise. It's statistically impossible that your family, friendships, church, and marriages aren't in some way haunted by sexual sin. Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesians before the internet, before social media, before the television, before movies, before Blu-ray. And yet, it's as if he is talking to our generation It's as if he's talking to our world. Satan's games have not changed. He goes on with the next three. Let me read them to you. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking with their out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. The next three, filthiness, the word means obscene behavior, foolish talk characterized by dirty talk or crude joking, literally in the Greek, to turn a phrase, a turn a phrase, dirty jokes. It's as if Paul is talking to us about sexting. It's as if he's talking to us about posting inappropriate pictures online. It's as if he's talking to us about dirty jokes right here from the word of God. These are out of place for God's people. 
But then he says something very interesting. But instead of these things, let there be thanksgiving. Listen to this. Some thanksgiving is somehow tied to overcoming the temptations in your life. Let me tell you why. When we are thankful, we are content with what God has given to us in Christ Jesus. If you're single and you're thankful that you are single, you are content. If you're married and you are thankful for your spouse in whom God has given to you, you are content. And when we recognize the gospel, we understand what he has set us free from, the bondage of sin. Why would we want to return to that life? So we're clear, Paul. Is that all you have for us? No, not yet. Paul continues on. He digs a little deeper. This is what he says in verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sins of disobedience. The sons of disobedience. You may be this morning listening to this text. The word of God may be speaking to your hearts. And you may be in one of these three categories this morning. Dealing with sexual sin. You may say, you know what, I've never heard the gospel the good news message that Christ came to save me from the wrath of God. I understand that I'm a sinner and I want to place my faith in him. You may be saying, I live for myself all the day long, engaging in whatever feels right. Yet I know that there's something more to this life. Maybe saying, I understand the destruction that sexual immorality has on the body and on the people around me. But God's grace is sufficient. The undeserved favor of God is that He would love you so much. That while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. You see, God wants you to repent, to turn from your sin, to trust in Christ. The holy and righteous one who is coming to die on the cross for sinners. He wants you to put your faith in him. That may be you this morning. You need to get down on your knees in your living room. 
and pray and ask God to save you. You may be the second person who is listening this morning. You're reminded of the temptations of sexual immorality from the passage of Scripture. And you must remember that you are one decision away from a different life. One decision that leads to destruction. Therefore, you must be thankful for Christ, his love for you, his sacrifice upon the cross. You've been given the Holy Spirit and you must constantly remember the gospel and respond to the gospel with thanksgiving and in love, true love. Or you may be the third person. You may be a bit confused. You may be someone who says, I believe upon Christ, but my life looks more like the old self than the new. Either you didn't know sexual sin has no place in God's people, or you become numb or calloused because you're so deep into it. Did our God not overcome the grave? Did he not nail our sins to the cross? Why then continue to act like the spirit who gives life to your body cannot kill the flesh? Repent, turn, fix your eyes upon Jesus and throw off every sin that easily entangles you. Paul says in Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put it to death. What do you need to do to put it to death? If you need to lock down your phone, put covenant eyes on it. If you need to put your computer in the kitchen, if your family needs to move because of a coworker, if you need accountability, you'll get it. You need to kill the earthly desires by filling them with the things of God. I'm about to read some verses, and if you're struggling with this right now, if you're at home and you're sitting there going, that's me. I'm confused. I look like the old self, but I know that Christ has saved me. You need to meditate on these verses, which I'm about to read to you. Let them wash over your soul and hear them. Colossians chapter three says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Is thanksgiving ruling and reigning in your heart? Are you filling your mind with the things of God? If that is not true for you, you are going to be tempted by sexual immorality. Verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's interesting in this passage, Paul doesn't say that you once walked in darkness. He says you were darkness. But that's not who you are. Once you encountered Christ, you're the new rose beautifully crafted by God in full bloom. You are the bright light shining in the darkness. This is point number three. Respond to the gospel as light. 
because that is who you are. First Corinthians 6, 9 says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were this. You were darkness. You were sexual immoral. But now you are waking up, O oh sleeper. Christ's light is shining on you. Repentance involves acknowledgement of the sin. Believing that you need to change. And then experiencing the grace of God. The grace of Christ who gave his life for you. And being thankful and grateful for what God has given to you through the gospel. And responding to the gospel with a changed life, a transformed heart, a love for God and not love for the things of this world. It says here to expose darkness, expose it by bringing it into the light. There's an element here of confession of sin. If you're knee deep in sexual sin and no one knows about it and you're living in darkness, confess it. Bring it before the Lord and before others shine light on it so you can truly deal with it. Otherwise, if you're knee deep in it, pretty soon, like quicksand, you will become engulfed in it. He says in here, don't partake with those who practice darkness, calling it what it is, sin not justifying it in the fellowship of saints, not justifying it within the body of the church, but calling it what it is, darkness. Not true love, a fake love, a counterfeit, a self-seeking love. Hughes, one of the commentators says, do Christians fall into these sins? Of course. But true Christians will not persist in them. For persistence in, in sensuality is a graceless state. 
Paul ends with this, this phrase. It could be a song here. It says, awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. You see, Christ was in the tomb three days. And he rose, conquering sin and death. And when we place our faith in Christ, we raise from the dead. Ephesians 2 tells us you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God in Christ made you alive. Arise, O sleeper. Awake, for Christ's light shines upon you. Are you thankful for forgiveness, church? Are you thankful for the gospel in your life? Are you filling your mind with the things of God? If you are, what can Satan do to you? It's a new day. It's a new dawn. The spirit of the living God wants to wash over your souls and allows you to live.